Hello and welcome to the editor's highlights of some of the contents of the March 2017 issue of AJPH. This is Alfredo Morabia and I'm the editor-in-chief. This issue of AJPH devotes a special section to gun control in the United States and in particular to the role of academic public health and the firearm crisis. Charles Branus and nine colleagues signed an agenda for action to strengthen research and scholarship to build public health networks and cross-sectoral collaborations to promote a conversation around gun safety and to nurture state-level initiatives. Finally, they also want to develop a business plan and engage the private sector. Let's hear what Sandro Galea, who is the corresponding author on this paper, has to say. Hello. Hello, Alfredo. Sandro here. Hey, Sandro. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? What a cool <laughs> app this is. Uh, I was not aware of it. <laughs> so we, we're, we're actually uh, uh, taping now. So, so uh, you're, uh, we're starting. I, I won't take too much of your time. And Go ahead. Uh, so... Uh, welcome, Sandro Galea, to this uh, AJPH podcast. You are a professor and dean at the Boston University School of Public Health, and you're also the corresponding author of this editorial entitled Academic Public Health and the Firearm Crisis, an Agenda for Action. And this editorial appears in the March issue of, of the journal. So, Sandro, the School of Public Health convened uh, people from 42 public health schools in addition to politicians and advocacy groups on November 14 of last year to discuss gun violence. How did the idea of this meeting uh, uh, emerge? Well, Fredo, thank you for having me on. The idea came from a conversation we had had at the dean's uh, meetings under the auspices of the Association of Schools and Programs of Public Health that it happens every year in July. In July, all the program directors and deans get together once a year. This year, we got together in San Diego, and I had asked for us to discuss the challenge of firearms, feeling that uh, public health should have a voice on the issue. We discussed this at uh, several panels, and it became clear that we had never come together as a organized body of academic public health to discuss what should be our approach with this going forward. So there was some consensus, I thought, that if we could convene a meeting, there would be interest from our um, deans and program directors in attending. So we did. So I uh, came back mm -hmm. after that meeting and invited my um, peers and colleagues to the meeting. And how were the reactions? I mean, have you found some resistance, some concerns, some obstacles? No, I don't think there was resistance at all. I think the general community has been quite receptive, recognizing this is something that we should do and we should do it well. I think there is a concern among those who represent public schools of public health, uh, and that concern is centrally around the fact that uh, public schools are under constraints from local legislators who may be non-sympathetic to what remains a politically charged issue. But by and large, I think the public health community is very much uh, speaking with one voice that uh, the firearm crisis is a real challenge that public health should play a role in addressing. 
And would the, would you say it's something completely new that uh, all these uh, representative of schools of public health speak with a single voice? Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure about new, but uh, it's certainly the first time that I know of that um, we have come together around this issue, and it's relatively unusual for uh, us as uh, schools and programs of public health to come together around issues uh, simply, frankly, because there's a tremendous heterogeneity across uh, schools and programs of public health in a large country, and the the accrediting um, the, the industry group, ASPPH, now represents schools from all over the world. So it's an, it's an unusual, it was an unusual gathering, but I think this is an unusual issue that uh, brought people together. Great, great. And, and to use a, a term that uh, you uh, you know well, I mean, would you say that this meeting was consequential? I hope so. I think this meeting came up with, um, with a clear call to action. The meeting was structured in such a way that uh, we would come up with a focused um, set of strategic directions, which we did. We came up with five of them. And I think the trick now will be to encourage um, uh, schools of public health and programs of public health to follow through on some of these. We have a follow-up meeting coming up this uh, March at the um, every six month uh, in between meetings of uh, schools of public health to try to push that forward. And in practice, what type of uh, things would you like to see happening? We would like to see what's happening, what we saw, what we wrote in the paper. Uh, more research on the topic, more convening of uh, people and stakeholders from uh, different sides of the aisle, so to speak. Uh, more engagement with the business community and articulating of, of um, the uh, return on investment of investing in firearms. And um, the creation of opportunities for funding to create a uh, new generation of scholars in the area. That's great. Thank you very much, Sandro. I'm sure all our readers are going to be very interested by that. And thanks for doing this and thanks for participating to this podcast. Take care. Thank Sandro. you for having me. Bye bye. Take care. Among the papers about gun controls, Jessica Beard and colleagues report that in Philadelphia, black people were substantially more likely than whites to sustain firearm assault. And this was true regardless of neighborhood income. Let's move now to another topic, big food, as uh, the food industry is commonly uh, called. An editorial by Jonathan Mark and a paper by Chida Temples deal with the ambivalence of the food industry when it simultaneously seeks profits and responsibility for health. They discuss the ethical issues faced by a corporation that contributes to public health problems and simultaneously engages in activities to prevent them. In a paper dealing with public health surveillance, Derek van Brandt explains why an electronic record for community health that explores the determinants of health can use digital tools to strengthen communities. Moving now to the health of uh, Native Americans. Valerie Jernigan and colleagues used the Thrive study to show that the high prevalence of food insecurity is associated with 
obesity, diabetes, and hypertension among American Indians in rural Oklahoma. Incidentally, the tune I'm playing is Hooky by Francis Jacob. Francis prepares a different music for each of the podcasts after having read the script. Here is another snippet of Hooky. All of the articles mentioned in this podcast are available in open access. Note that to be immediately informed about the papers soon to be published in AJPH or about calls for paper, follow me on Twitter. Thank you for listening. This is Alfredo Morabia and I'm at AJPH. For more podcasts, including podcasts in Chinese and Spanish, visit us at AJPH.org. Thank you.